Now, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to John 8, 12. It is up on the screen, if you require it. Ben, last week, was it last week Ben was here? The week before, Ben spoke about Jesus when he said he's the door, he's the good shepherd, uh, and he mentioned before he left that he was thinking of um, doing a bit of a series on the I am statements of Jesus and um, we had a bit of a conversation about that and so uh, when I was reading through it, this one really stood out to me. Um, it's a, a big long verse but uh, I'm just going to focus on this bit and it says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. I'm going to pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. I pray that you bless your word to our hearts. I pray that you bless the words that I speak and um, bless our fellowship tonight as well. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we, we have a bit of a, uh, bit of a routine in our house uh, at home. And as I'm sure most of you do, we have... Two different living areas. Normally I'm in one, Larissa's in the other, especially later at night. Kids are already in bed. And generally, I'll wait for Larissa to go to bed for, as a prompt for me to go to bed. So we have this bit of a nighttime routine. <laughs> she'll do her thing, you know, in the other areas of the house, she'll come down, she'll say, I'm going to bed now. I'll say, okay, I'll be there in a minute. And then in about five minutes, ten minutes, sometimes I lose track of time, maybe half an hour, whatever it is, anyway... I get up, I turn the TV off, and as I turn the TV off, I notice that the house is dark, and she hasn't left not one light on in the house. (laughs) And at that point, I have to make a decision. I'm sure you've all done this in your houses, right? You've got a couple of options. Do you walk to the other side of the house where you need to be, turn that light on, and then come back here so that you can turn that light off and then go back there so that you're not walking in darkness? Or do you risk it? <laughs> Trust me, it is not that big. Trust me. <laughs> we, we Luckily, we have roller shutters, which makes it even darker in our house. So when I say it's dark, it's dark in our house. Not big, just dark. Anyway, so I'm all about efficiency, you know, as you know, I don't like to waste energy. <laughs> so I turn the light off and I feel like I know my house well enough to go in the dark. We've got a little step. It's not, it's not two stories, it's just two steps. So I feel my way up the steps and I'm walking through the house. And most of the time I can make it through pretty easily. I know my house just like I'm sure all of you do. We've got floorboards. I know the sound of the floorboards in different areas of the house I know when this creak happens, I'm roughly in this area of the house. I can feel my way through the walls. There is a bit in our lounge room that's quite open, so I have to kind of guess my way through it. But I always get to the point where, because it's completely dark, I always get to the point where I think I know where I am, and I reach out. I don't know if you guys have ever done this. You reach out, and then for some reason, you get lower... And you just start creeping through, doing a bit of this. I don't know why we do that. I feel like being lower to the ground helps you get connected to where you are. 
I do. <laughs> it's protecting your head. Yeah, exactly. Protecting my face. It's my most valuable asset, obviously. <laughs> yeah, not so far to fall. <laughs> but it does get to the point, because our house isn't that big, <laughs> that I don't have to do that very much. And I'll touch a wall and it'll, or a doorway and I'll, I'll get the picture. I know where I am. I do know someone who was doing this through their house. I don't know how they did it, but they just happened to have one arm on either side of a doorway. And as they walked through, they were going like this. <laughs> and they smashed their face on the doorway. It's not funny. They were seriously hurt. Wardrobe. Anyway, everyone knows what I'm talking about, right? You're in your house, it's dark, but you know your way around. And you know the thing is, I didn't make myself bleed then. <laughs> you know what's silly about walking around in your house at night in the dark? It's so much harder, right? It takes you so much longer. Because even though you know where you are, you don't want to hurt yourself, no matter how low you get. It's, it is so much easier to walk in the light, right? And so in humility, most of the time, I get my phone out, which I feel... At that time, the light on my phone, you can see it from the moon. <laughs> so I, I do this kind of dance where I'm like kind of covering it so I don't wake up anyone in the house and anyway, <laughs> walk into our room and then it's, it's like it's daylight in there. But I, I feel like uh, I shared a couple of weeks ago um, or three weeks ago when I was speaking about, you know, some of the stuff that I've been going through over the past six to 12 months. Is it bleeding? There's no mark there. I... <laughs> You know what's funny? Well, it's probably not that funny, actually, but from all the years of playing gridiron, I don't really have any feeling on this part of my head. <laughs> I can hit it as hard as I want. I can even, you know, you play the bongos on your head. Has anyone ever done that? I can't, this has been podcast, but anyway. You know, like, it's like having a hollow head. Anyway. <laughs> I should just walk around like this. Wouldn't do any damage. I knew it wouldn't take long to get rowdy. Anyway, forgot where I was up to. <laughs> oh, that's right. I was in a serious bit. <laughs> anyway, it has been a difficult 12 months, if not longer, but particularly the last six months have been incredibly difficult. And I couldn't help reflecting on how the last six months have felt exactly like that in my life, where I feel like I'm walking around in darkness. And I know, I know my surroundings. You know, it's like my house. I know where I am. I'm not physically blind. I can see things. But it just feels like, like, I'm in the, like I had been in the middle of a dark room with no, you know, no bearing, no ability to kind of see past, you know, my immediate surroundings. And it feels like that in my relationship with God sometimes as well. And again, particularly over the past six months, it has felt like God has been in the dark. That I can't see God. I don't, you know, I know he's there. And I have, you know, a comfort level around the fact that God is real and God exists. But I don't, I don't feel him with me. I don't see him in all the things that I'm doing around me. I don't, I don't quite see it happening. And I know that, you know, in lots of conversations with people, I know I'm not alone in that. I know that we all go through moments of darkness, 
you know, physically, emotionally, mentally, all those sorts of things. We all, we all suffer these periods of darkness in our life where it is hard to understand what's going on. And if you're like me, you will make up in your mind why things are the way that they are and you'll set out to fix them, like turning a light on, you know. Sometimes it seems easy. But I know for me, it is a little bit like walking in circles in my living room, coming back to the same spot all the time. You know, we, we have these issues in our life that may, uh, may present in different ways. There might be different things that kind of start off this process. But ultimately, whatever it is that we're dealing with in our life, we end up coming back to that. And I find that God has a way of using things in our life and circumstances that we're in to keep kind of bringing us back to a point in our life. And like me, you know, you probably find ways of dealing with that and we go around this circle, we go around and around because God is so gracious and loving and we come back to that same point. And I found myself asking questions of myself in my head. Questions like, what is wrong with me? Why do I keep coming up against these same issues? What am I not doing? What is wrong with me? Why won't God intervene in this situation? What is wrong with me? And I've even expressed that question out loud to you know, to Larissa and to um, Pastor Ben and, you know, and others, where it just feels like there's something that you're not doing right in life, that this darkness is overwhelming and you just can't find the light. And, you know, this period of time for me has been a, a good time of self-discovery and self-questioning and, you know, asking that question genuinely you know, if there is something wrong with me, then what is it? Because I don't want to keep going around in this circle. I don't want to keep walking around in my living room in the darkness, bumping into the coffee table every time, and then wondering why I'm bumping my leg on the coffee table. I just want to deal with it. I want to find the light. And I want to light up that room so that I can just be comfortable and I can see God and I can just continue to move forward through my house. And <clears throat> all of us have a level of consciousness about ourselves. You know, we, we, some things we're very conscious of, other things we're not so conscious of. And I want to just show you something that I found very interesting um, over the years. Has anyone heard of Jahari windows? Jahari windows? No, it's not physical windows. But Jahari windows is a model that kind of explains our consciousness. Now, this was done in the 50s by these two gentlemen, Joseph Lufton and Harry Ingham. Johari comes from Joe and Harry. Johari Windows, very smart men. They came up with that. It's not actual windows. But anyway, if you know um, about Johari Windows, they're separated into four quadrants. And the, the first one, the first two are about what we know about ourselves. Sorry, that's not very clear. But the first window is called the open window. And these are things that we know about ourselves and everybody else knows as well. 
So to give you a very brief example, uh, my wife, Larissa, is an amazing worship leader, a great singer. We all know that, hopefully. She also knows that in humility, of course. But she knows her gift. She knows that she's a good singer. We all know that she's a good singer. That's all in the open window. The next one is called the hidden window. And these are things that are known by you, but are not known by other people. Okay, so these are things that, are, that we are conscious of within ourselves, but other people are not conscious of. So I might know why... Uh, I'll use something fictional. I might know why I don't like to hug people. I do, but if I didn't like to hug people, feel free to give me a hug later. If, if I didn't like hugging people, I, I would probably know why I don't like hugging people, but if you came to give me a hug and I said, no thanks, that would not be, you would not be aware of that reason and you would probably be slightly offended, maybe understanding. But that's, that's something that's hidden from you, but I know the reason, right? We all have those things. All of us have things inside of us, you know, that make us tick. We all know it, but it's, they're not obvious to the outside world. Does that make sense? So those are two things that we know about ourselves. The next two things are actually things that are unknown to ourselves. So the first one is called blind, the blind quadrant. These are things that are unknown by us, but are seen and acknowledged by people around us. Now, using that example of hugging people, I may actually not be conscious that I physically shy away from hugging people it might just be something that I I do without even really thinking about it but other people have observed have you seen Damien push people away when they go to hug him now I probably don't know that I'm doing it I'm probably unaware of the impact of myself on you or other individuals when I reject that hug but I don't doesn't make any difference to me does that make sense You can see it clearly, but I can't. Now, I love the concept of this window and I love the concept of what I'm speaking about today. And I think that this window, this is uh, slightly off the beaten track, but I just felt that it was important to point out. You know, in church... Particularly, we we are all we all come with our own baggage. We all we're all vulnerable in different ways, and I think that um, in this environment, sometimes it's very obvious to see somebody's blind spot. You know, sometimes it's you can see it a mile away, but they are not aware of it. And I think sometimes where we get into trouble in our relationships with each other is when we would like to point out to those people their blind spots and we pull them aside, maybe, lovingly, hopefully, most of the time, and we talk to them about their blind spot. And we, we hope to shine a light on their blind spot so that they can see that. And I'm not being critical of, of anybody. I have done this myself. I have had it done to me. I know that it is with good intention. But... The one thing I would say is, you don't know what you don't know, right? You don't know the things about yourself 
if you don't know them. I know that sounds like a very obvious thing to say. But when someone illuminates the fact that the way you act makes them feel a certain way, it can be very hurtful. Because you, you didn't know that before. And that, in the wrong context, can really, really ruin relationships. And I have seen that a number of times with different areas in, in our church, with me and you know, with others, where we want to illuminate people's blind spots for them and tell them where they're going wrong in life. And, oh, you're struggling with that. Obviously, it's because of this. You just fix this and you'll be okay. But I don't think that's the way that God intended um, our relationships with each other to necessarily go. The, the last one is called the unknown. And these are things that are not known by you and they're not known by me. They're just unknown. They're hidden deep in our self-conscious. Subconscious, sorry. And the, the two areas that I, I really want to focus on today is the unknown and the blind area, the things that are unknown to ourselves. Because no matter whether we know it or not, the things inside of us, our experiences, the things that we've been through in life shape the way that we look at the world, right? If you've had a bad experience with someone who looks like me, you might not think that I'm a very nice person without knowing me, right? That, that, is, that is true. We have these... Uh, these um, perceptions and these biases around all the things that we see in the world. They're not bad, you know, they're just the way that we are. They're, they're based on experiences and things that we have built up in our life over time. And I know for myself, for me over the past six months, I have been on this journey of walking through the darkness and, you know, walking through these unknown bits of myself because I've been dealing with this same recurring issue that keeps showing itself up in different, different circumstances in my life where in the past I've run away from them or I've changed my situation and I've done something to, to alter that situation so that it makes me feel a little bit better about myself at the time. And we, we do this all the time. But I've gotten to the point in the past six months where I've just had enough. And really I've had enough of myself. I'm, I've been fed up with my own thoughts and my own emotions and all the things that I you know, continually kind of come back to on a regular basis. I've just come to the end of myself. Which is from an emotional perspective, physically, mentally, is a very difficult place to be in. When you get to the end of yourself and you feel like there is nothing more that you can do and you start to lose hope and faith in things changing and you actually start to question yourself around whether you're even a good person or whether, you know, the things that are happening are caused by you, it, it, is, it is very difficult because it's very hard in that circumstance to see any light whatsoever you know, when you're walking through your dark house, normally there's like at least a microwave light or, you know, the timer on the oven or something that's just giving you enough light to be able to see your way through without, you know, kicking the counter or the dog or whatever. But when, when you're in this situation, and I know many of us have been there, it, it, you can't even see the microwave light. It's just dark and it's horrible and you have no option but to sit and stop moving because you've tried everything 
And that is how I have felt in the past six months. And I shared a couple of weeks ago this scripture from 1 Peter uh, 1 to 9, but specifically uh, 1 Peter 1 verse 2. It says, Through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. You know, I, I mentioned this. That word, sanctifying, is the, is the Greek word hagiasmos. Let's say it together. Hagiasmos. I believe... I, this, I'm not a theologian. I don't represent any uh, denomination or anything. This is just Damien's thought. I believe that this word, hagiasmos, is probably one of the most important words in our faith walk with, with Jesus. It is one of the most important concepts for us to get our head around because there's so much out there that's contrary to this. Now, this word means to be progressively... I don't want to labour on this, but progressively means over a period of time. It's not, it's not instant, like flicking a light switch. It's progressively being transformed, which means being in one state and changing to another state, right? Slowly over time, changing from who you were or where you were by the Lord by God, into his likeness. Now, nowhere in that statement, in that word, says anything about us doing anything ourselves to be transformed into the likeness of God. Now, what's our, what's our mission statement for this church? What was that, Selena? Yes, to live like Jesus, thank you. I know you all wanted to say it, but no one wanted to get it wrong. Our, our mission statement for this church is to live like Jesus lived, right? Now, this word, this one word, hagiasmos, tells us that for us to live like Jesus lived, we need to be transformed by him into his likeness. That is good news. And... For me, in my circumstances, for what I've been through, which is no worse or no better than others have been through, probably not as bad as people have been through, it gives me hope. Because I'm not responsible for my salvation and I'm not responsible for me being transformed into the image of God. Now, there is a responsibility on my behalf and that's where what Steve spoke about this morning comes into it. Steve spoke this morning about hearing the voice of God and being in relationship with God and being obedient to the word of God. And when God speaks, we do. He spoke about it in the context of, you know, evangelism when, when God or encouragement, when God puts a word for someone on your heart that we are brave enough to go and give that word. And bravery is another word I think that has come up, you know, over the past few weeks. Uh, I think I mentioned it last week or the week before. But, you know, the interesting thing about bravery is that to be brave is not the absence of fear. You can be brave, but you can be afraid, right? So when we hear the word of God through the Spirit and we're obedient to that word, that is our responsibility. Our responsibility is just to 
do as God asks and put in front of us, then we will be transformed into his likeness. Who's excited about that? Amen. You know, Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. So what do we do on a path? It's not a trick question. We walk. We walk on a path. We don't sit on a path under the light. We walk on a path. This scripture says that his word, his word, the written word, the verbal word, his word is a lamp for our feet, a light on my path. And if you think about Jesus making that statement that he is the light of the world, that Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, will speak to us and will lead us along a path to the light. Now, I want to share with you um, some of the things that I have been going through uh, over the past six months or so. You know, I won't go into detail about the issue itself because it's not really that important. You know, it's kind of work-related. Um, you know, it's, it doesn't, didn't feel like it was very personal, I guess, at the beginning. Um, but, you know, for whatever reason, this situation at work has impacted my life incredibly, more so than any other situation I've been through in my memory, at least, my conscious memory, uh, in my life. And so I got to that point where I was asking myself, what is wrong with me? Why, do, why am I continually going through this and feeling this way? And every time I've been through it, it's gotten worse and worse and worse to the point where it was very dark and I was afraid about the place that I was in. And so I reached out to the people that I love professionally and I spoke to someone professionally. And I've said this before, but I would encourage any of you that if you are dealing with any issues that it's very important to speak to a professional who knows what they're talking about. And I can tell you that through conversations with a professional, things that I didn't think were issues in my life have become obvious that they are issues in my life. Things that I thought were way in my past that didn't affect me now as an adult actually affect me as an adult. And what I have learned is I've shared this plenty of times. You know, my father left when I was four. I didn't have a relationship with him when I was growing up. You know, a whole range of, you know, things that come along with that. When I, when I spoke to the professional, I spoke to her like I probably just spoke to you then. It, it's just a matter of fact. My dad left. Doesn't have any bearing on me now. I don't think about him all the time doesn't have, you know, does, it's not an issue for me anymore. I don't cry about it at night. I'm sure I did at one point, but I don't anymore. And she said to me, how could it not? How could that not have an issue, have an effect on your life? How could it not? And I ask you the same question for, for all of us here in this room. We are amazing human beings. We are so good at going through trauma and putting it behind us and continue to walk on. 
And I believe that what we're actually doing is gradually walking deeper and deeper into the darkness. You know, these things happen in our life. All of us suffer trauma of some sort. Regardless of what that trauma is, all of us have something. And it's okay. It's okay that things affect us. When I, when I sat there talking about, you know, some situations that had happened in my past, almost like they were someone else's story, and the professional was able to link that with that, with that, with that, and with that, back to this, and these, this thing that happened in your past, her words, and she's no Christian, Her words, and not mine, were, Damien, do you understand that maybe your foundation that you built all those years ago to be able to cope with the things that you had to cope with then, do you understand that that foundation is probably not the kind of foundation you need to function in life right now? And do you understand that the foundation that you built as a child, that you now stand on as an adult is not going to serve you into the future. And I remembered that scripture. Uh, I'm not going to quote it verse for verse, but Jesus made the same analogy of the man who built his house on sand compared to the man who built his house on rock. And when the waves come and trauma in life and difficulties and when things don't go our way, when the waves come, the man who built his house on sand, the house washed away. But the man who built his house, or the people who build their house on rock, stand strong. And so I felt in that moment that that was a revelation. That was a light that got shone on this situation in my life. At this moved out of my subconscious into my conscious. It moved from something I had no idea about before into something that I am now very, very aware of. And you know the thing is, I'm sure you've all done this. You know when you sit in a dark room? I don't know if anyone's ever been into a, uh, a de- photo developing area, whatever they're called, Lauren, what are they called? <laughs> a dark room. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Why do they have to make things so technical? If you've ever been in a dark room, whether it's for photography or whatever, and you walk into the bright sunlight, it hurts, right? It hurts your eyes. It takes some adjusting. And everything is blurry at first, and it seems so much brighter until your eyes can adjust. And I can tell you that going from dark to light is painful, has been for me. Very painful. Painful in ways that I never, never would have imagined would affect me today like they did when I was a four-year-old. Painful. And we are so good at covering our pain and just moving on. And... You know, the thing I know about God is that 
God, Hagiasmos, wants to make us into his likeness and his image. Right? He wants us to be like him through a process throughout our life. And the way he does that is by taking these areas, I believe, these areas of things that we don't know about in our own life and shining a light on them. And he does that because he loves us, because he wants us to be free from them. You know, the first time I sat with a professional psychologist, all I could say to her was, I just want to be free. I just want to be free. And I don't mean in the context of being able to go wherever I want or do whatever I want to do. I mean this internal anchor, this something inside of me that holds me back and stops me from being the person that God has called me to be. I just want to be free. And in that moment, God shines a light on that issue, on that anchor that is holding me back so that, so that it can be cut off and left in the darkness so that I can walk into the light because he is the light of the world. We can walk around and tell each other all we want about each other's flaws and weaknesses and how we, we think each other should be better people or could be better people. But it is only Jesus who can shine a light on our circumstances that will be life-changing, transformational freedom that we all want. We all want freedom. And I know that in three or four or five years, ten years, maybe six months, there will be other things that come up in my life that I have held on to that will then become an issue and I'll be asking the same things. What is wrong with me? Why can I not be done with this? And when I get to the end of myself, when I've finished trying to fix my problems, when I've finished walking circles in darkness in my lounge room, bumping into the coffee table every so often, hurting my shin, I'll finally sit on the floor in a big heap and say, God, help me please because I cannot do this. I don't know where to go. Shine your light in my life. And I, I want to make it very clear. I believe in miracles. I absolutely believe in miracles. But I don't want to give any false impressions for anybody to think that this has been an overnight change. I'm in the process. I'm not out of it. I'm in the process of being transformed and will be for the rest of my life. But for this season in my life, I'm in the process. It is not instant or overnight. It is a, it is a process of God speaking, God illuminating, and us being obedient to walk and step into that light, no matter how painful it is. Because I can tell you it's painful. It is painful. If you think something that happened as a four-year-old, you know, when you reflect on it for me as a nearly 40-year-old, that it would just be a matter-of-fact statement about something that had happened in my life. It is not. 
it is as real today as I'm sure it was 36 years ago. But I've heard Mao even say this before, and this is a quote from Max Licardo. God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus. And you know, sometimes that means stepping into the light and having your eyes hurt. But we adjust. Your eyes will adjust. You will see things clearly. And you will see the truth from the lie. And I don't say any of this for anybody to get down. I say this as an encouragement. Because there is hope in this message. There is hope in this message. I promise you, there is hope in this message. Even if you don't see the light, it doesn't mean that the light doesn't exist, right? Even in a dark room, the light exists outside of that. We just need to walk and allow God to light our path. I might just get Lauren to come and play. Because I really feel that... I really feel that we just need to spend some time with God. And I actually didn't finish my notes past this point because, you know, I really wanted to be obedient to what God wanted to do. And I feel that there are people, all of us, some of us, whoever, that need a reminder that no matter how dark our surroundings are, no matter how dim and dark and oppressive things seem around us, and no matter how many times you feel like you have walked around that coffee table of life and bumped into things as you fumbled your way through the darkness, no matter how many times I think the Bible is incredibly clear on a couple of things. The one thing is we will face trials and tribulations. We will. It's a promise. Life is not this easy, straight road that we can coast along. We will face trials and tribulations. But it also says that you can count it pure joy whenever we go through those times because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And we need perseverance because we need to get through life. And we need to get through life knowing that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And it's not a train coming at us from the other direction. That the light is Jesus. And He will transform you into His likeness. Hagiasmos. Amen. 
I am not responsible for my salvation. It is already a free gift. All I need to do is accept it. I just feel that we need to pray. I wonder if you could just stand to your feet, close who are able. You know, Steve spoke this morning about being obedient and hearing the word of God and being open to it. And so I just want to encourage us in this atmosphere. If you feel like God has put someone on your heart to go and pray for them, whoever it may be, even me up here, whatever. I want to encourage you to do that. Because the hardest thing when you're in the middle of the darkness is feeling alone and feeling lonely in your thoughts and in your circumstances. And the lie is is that we are the only ones who suffer, that everyone else has their life together. But that is a lie. And so two things. If you want to pray for someone, I'll just encourage you to just gently go and lay a hand on their shoulder and just pray for them. And if you feel a word of encouragement, give them a word of encouragement. Or if you would like prayer specifically, if you would like people to come and stand with you and pray, I'll just encourage you to put your hand up. We have nothing to lose. So let's just worship and let's just pray for each other just for a couple of minutes.